We are now two years into this thing. And I have gone to airports. I've been to different cities. I've met thousands and thousands of people um, over the last two years. And then finally, this past week, I catch COVID-19 from my own mother. What are the odds of that? I've been to countless places, never gotten it, been meeting people face-to-face a bunch of times. I've been to airports, all that jazz, and I finally catch COVID-19 on whatever, this past week in January 2022. Two years into this thing, and I finally get it. Who would have thought? But we're back. That's the reasoning for missing the episode last week. I apologize. I couldn't get in here to do it. We were, um, you know, isolating me, my mother, and my sister. We were all isolating. And, um... Yeah, so no no, no episode last week because of that, so I apologize for that. Thank you, COVID-19. Wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Boosted, thank God for that. Nobody uh, nobody died or anything like that, so we're good there. Um, but yeah, it beat me up a little bit, but now we're back. We're back, and we're recording a podcast over the past week. So we're going to get into, we're going to talk a little bit about the divisional round in the NFL playoffs, even though that was two weeks ago. I didn't get to talk about it because I got sick. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about conference championships, and uh, we're going to get into a bunch of different stuff. We're going to talk about all the, all the, all the things that happened this past weekend. What's going to happen in, uh, in coming up for all the teams that got knocked out? We're going to get into it all, everything that we, you could possibly imagine. We're going to get into it on this episode. But first, we're going to talk about some Cowboys and Cowgirls basketball. Um, since our last episode back on January 18th, the Cowboy basketball team has played five games. And they have gone four and one over those last five. They beat San Jose State eighty-four to sixty-nine on January nineteenth, and then they beat New Mexico ninety-three to ninety-one on January twenty-second. Then they fell to Boise State on January twenty-fifth, sixty-five to sixty-two, and that brings us to this past week. First, the Pokes went on the road and took on Air Force on Friday and beat the Fal- Falcons at sixty-three to sixty-one. It was Hunter Maldonado, but a Hunter Maldonado buzzer beater. Uh, that lifted the Cowboys to the 63-61 victory over the Falcons with Maldonado going the length of the court in nine seconds and kissing it off the glass for the finish in the victory. The buzzer beater for Maldonado gave him a season-high 31 points, and he played all 40 minutes of the game. Uh, The Pokes also combined for 30 points off of turnovers and second-chance points in the win, and they also dominated off the glass, uh, holding a 35-26 advantage over the Falcons in rebounding. Wyoming also grabbed 15 offensive rebounds as well. And Graham Ike, it's not Ike. It's not Graham Ike. I didn't know that. Everybody so everybody else has failed me on this, okay? Nobody told me it was Graham Ike, not Graham Ike. I apologize to Graham Ike for getting your name wrong basically half the season. It's Graham Ike. I apologize for that. That's my fault. Nobody told me otherwise. I thought it was just Graham Ike. I couldn't find the pronunciation guide on the media guide, so I thought it was just Graham Ike. And then I heard somebody call him Graham Ike, and I was like, who are you talking about? And he was like, the forward for the Cowboys. It's Graham Ike. And I was like, it's Graham Ike. And he's like, no, it's it's pronounced Ike. So that blew my mind, and I was very frustrated with myself. So Graham Ike, I apologize if you're listening to this. You're probably not, but I've been saying your name wrong for the last half month. Or the last month and a half, actually. So we're going to get it right now. Graham E.K. starting right now. Graham E.K. He had a pretty quiet night down low against the Falcons. He put up just 10 points and 9 rebounds while turning the ball over 6 times in the victory. But 
Maldonado's season high did not last long. 31, his season high did not last long from that game. The Cowboys were at home and then took on rival Colorado State on Monday, and the Pokes squeezed out the victory in in overtime, 84-78, to in what was one of the more fun games to watch um, in this season so far. Maldonado dropped a career-high 35 in this one and just became and became the first Cowboy to score 30 or more points in back-to-back games since Josh, Josh Adams way back in the 2015-2016 season. So the first Cowboy to drop 30 points in back-to-back games since Josh Adams way back in 2015-2016. Uh, the crowd of 7,539 fans inside the Dome of Doom in Laramie for the matchup was the largest since 2016 when they packed in 8,148, also against Colorado State. It was a good crowd, a great atmosphere at that game, and uh, the the Pokes were able to pull out the victory in that one. The Pokes outscored the Rams 14-8 to in overtime in that game and uh, owned the final minute, outscoring the Rams 8-2. to Maldonado finished the night going 12-19 of from the field and 10 of 11 from the free throw line. And Ike and Drake Jeffrey, I just did it again, Ike, Ike and Jeffries also added 16 points. Drake Jeffries, that is. And uh, Jeffries nailed some huge three-pointers throughout the game. Uh, Jeremiah Odin also added 12 points down low to round out the scoring for the starting five that accounted for 79 of the Pokes' 84 points in the victory. As of Tuesday, the Cowboys are now sitting at 17-3 and and are 6-1 and in conference play. And coming up, they will have a huge matchup at home with the 17-4 and in conference-leading Boise State Broncos. Tip is scheduled for 7 p.m. in that one. And then the Cowboys will hit the road and take on the Fresno State Bulldogs on Sunday with tip scheduled for 5 p.m. in that one. And finally, the Pokes will come back home and take on Utah State next Tuesday with first tip scheduled for 7 p.m. in that one. And you can listen to those games and every Cowboy basketball game on 1410 AM and 106.9 FM KWYO all season long. And we are rounding out the Cowboy basketball season, the uh, March Madness is coming soon. We are February 1st or only a couple weeks away from that, from conference championships, conference championship tournaments, and then uh, the the, uh, big March Madness tournament in March. The Wyoming Cowgirl basketball team hasn't had the same success on the court that the boys have had so far this season. They've played four games since the last recording back on January 18th, and they fell to Boise State 72-59 on January 19th. Then they fell on the road to Utah State on January 22nd, 76-66. Then this past Wednesday, the Cowgirls were back at home and got their revenge on Boise State, beating them 61-47 to in that matchup. The Cowgirls got a huge boost from their bench in this one with the Cowgirl Reserve scoring 34 points in the win. Uh, guard Alba Sanchez-Ramos and Paula Salazar led the uh, Cowgirls in scoring with 15 points apiece, with Salazar doing it off the bench. Ramos also added 10 rebounds uh, ten rebounds to notch a double-double as well. And Emily Malema and uh, Grace Ellis also combined for 19 points off the bench to round out the scoring for the Cowgirls in that victory. The Cowgirls then took on Nevada at home on Saturday and got the upset victory in that one, 62-53. Allison Fertig led the way for the Cowgirls in that one with a career-high 24 points and 11 rebounds on the way for her fifth double-double of the season. McKinley Bradshaw added 18 of her own while shooting 60% from the field and was one rebound shy of her own double-double as well. Overall, the Cowgirls shot about 47, uh, 46% from the field while holding the Wolfpack to shooting just 20, 36% from the floor. So great defensive output from the Cowgirls. And uh, the Cowgirls also dominated the glass in this one as well, registering a 44-27 rebounding advantage while grabbing 16 offensive rebounds in the victory. Um, the Cowgirls now sit at 8-9 and nine overall and sit at 5th in the Mountain West with a conference record of 4-4 four and four as of Tuesday. They will have two games this week with their first coming Wednesday night. First, they hit the road to take on Air Force, and uh, first tip for that one is scheduled for 6.30 p.m. 
And then the Cowgirls will hit the road again on Saturday to take on New Mexico with first tip scheduled for 2 p.m. in that one. And you can listen to all those games on uh, all the Cowboy, Cowgirl basketball games on Smart Talk 106.3 all season long as well. Okay, now time for some football. I missed the opportunity to talk about the division round. Like I said, thank you to COVID. Everything has basically been said about that weekend, though, so I won't go too much in-depth uh, into each game, but we're going to do a super-fast recap for each one. I'm reading this now, but I did kind of go into depth the, the further down I went, you know, thanks to the Bills and Charger, or the Bills and Chiefs game that was so incredible. So, a little super-fast, not as in-depth as usual, but still, you know, a little in-depth. Uh, the first game of that weekend came on Saturday, and it was the four-seeded Bengals upsetting the one-seeded Tennessee Titans 19-16. to The Bengal offense was able to overcome, giving up nine sacks. Uh, the nine sacks for the Titans tied the record for the most in a playoff game in the NFL since at least 1960, and uh, the Titans still lost that one. Even though he was sacked nine times, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow still had a pretty solid game. He wasn't able to find the end zone for the Bur- for the Bengals, Bengals, but he threw for 348 yards. Um, the opposite would be said about Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who threw three picks, including one that cost them the game late in the fourth quarter, thanks to the field position that it gave the Bengals. Um, he was great throwing the ball downfield. Tannehill was uh, great throwing the ball downfield, going four for five on passes, 20-plus yards downfield for 134 yards and a touchdown, but two of his three interceptions came in the intermediate part of the field, uh, the 10 to 19-yard downfield range, and um, one came behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Titans lived and died this season by the run game, bringing back Derrick Henry and leaning on him as much as they did. Probably it felt like a mistake, with Henry grabbing just 62 yards on 20 carries and his running back mate, uh, Deontay Foreman, looked like a better option, rushing for four times for 66 yards. He just didn't look, and you can't really blame him, but he didn't look as fresh you know, as we're used to. He's coming off a, coming off a bad injury that sidelined him for most of the season and um, throwing him in there and then telling him to basically ride, or we're going to ride you the whole game. It didn't seem like it was working, and it didn't work in the end. Um, the real hero of this game was Bengals kicker, Evan Money McPherson, who went 4-4 four for four on field goals and hit a 52-yarder as time expired to send the Bengals to the AFC Championship game. The 52-yarder was the longest game-winning field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter in NFL postseason history. The biggest upset of that weekend came Saturday night when the six-seeded San Francisco 49ers beat the one-seeded Green Bay Packers 13-10. to The Niners continued to haunt Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, San Fran's ability to control the ball on offense and rush the passer on defense stalled out in an explosive Packers team. Uh, Niner quarterback Jimmy G continues to defy or continued to defy what many believe was required to win playoff games in the modern era, that being a great quarterback and great quarterback play. A true testament to how good uh, Kyle Shanahan's game planning um, is, be- is being able to basically hide the most important position in the sport and basically all of sports. Uh, Jimmy G's most impactful throw of the night landed in the lap of a Packers defensive back as it was underthrown and inside after uh, after he escaped pressure. Leaning on the run game kept Garoppolo in manageable third down uh, manage, manageable third downs, which was huge in keeping him away from Packers edge rushers. Debo Samuel continued to define positional designation, redefine positional designation, gaining almost the same amount of yardage through the air as he did on the ground. And uh, for the Packers. The terrible weather in Green Bay continues to hinder the Packers' chances to get back into the big game in February. They have now lost seven playoff games at home over the last 20 seasons, the most in the NFL. If you want to win a championship in Green Bay, I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be in there anymore. It's 
spoiler alert, he's probably leaving. Um, but if you want to win a championship in Green Bay, and this goes for Buffalo too, this is a strong, a strong standing point that I have for most NFL teams, I would say. If you want to win a championship in Green Bay or Buffalo, build a dome. Build a dome. I know it's against everything you stand for in Green Bay and in Buffalo. Just build a dome. Aaron Rodgers would throw for 6,000 yards a season if you built a dome and got home field advantage in a dome. The, the, the Packers would be favorites in every Super Bowl. It wouldn't even matter. They would get to every Super Bowl. They wouldn't have to fight the weather. Same thing goes for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You build a dome in that city for, for Josh Allen, he throws for 6,000 yards a year, and they're going undefeated. <laughs> they're going undefeated and going into the Super Bowl. That is the weather, especially in football, the weather is the ultimate equalizer for every team. If if the weather is hindering the ability for your best player to do the thing that he is best at, then you're giving every uh, every team an equal advantage. It's happened to the Packers timeless time, time and time again. They did it against the Seahawks. It's happened against the Niners a couple of times. I mean, this is something that happens to the, to the, to the Packers. This is what happens to them. They lose because of their their weather problems at Lambeau Field. And now they're going to be out of a quarterback. So we'll see what happens. They're not going to build the dome. I'm just saying they should th- they should absolutely think about it. But, you know, that's why I'm not an NFL owner and I'm sitting here at 24 years old recording a podcast. So it's different. Um, Rodgers was still productive through the air, even though even with the weather. But as the game went on, the weather did get worse. And while the Niner, pa- Niner pass rush improved in the future Hall of Framer, uh, struggled to push the ball downfield. San Fran's zone coverage also kept Green Bay's passing game in front of the sticks and out of the end zone. Uh, Green Bay's terrible, terrible special teams play all season long came back to bite them in this game as well with the only touchdown from the Niners coming from a blocked punt that was recovered in the end zone to tie the game at 10 with 4.50 to play in the fourth quarter. Um, a defensive stop for the Niners the next possession set up San Francisco's kicker Robbie Gould to uh, to nail a 45-yard field goal as time expired to send the Niners to the NFC Championship game and the Packers looking for answers as Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams' time in Green Bay um, is more than likely over. Moving on, the madness of the divisional round continued on Sunday when the Los Angeles Rams went on the road and upset the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers 32-27. The Rams looked like they were on their way to dominating this game, going up 27-3 with 7.07 left to go in the third quarter. However, in what felt like perfect, perfect deja vu, Tom Brady led the Bucs and stormed all the way back and tied it at 27 with 42 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, but the Rams were able to march down the field thanks to Matthew Stafford completing a 20-yard pass to Cooper Cup and then a 44-yard pass to Cup on back-to-back plays, setting up the Rams on a, uh, at the Bucks' 12-yard line with just five seconds to go, and Matt Gay kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired to send the Rams to the NFC Championship, uh, championship game. Uh, the Rams became the fourth team in NFL playoff history and the first since 1975 to overcome four-plus fumbles in a playoff game and still win the game. Uh, Cooper Cup was the game winner for the Rams, coming up with two huge receptions that set up the those two huge receptions that set up the game-winning field goal as part of a nine-reception game. Um, but he did fumble the ball as well. Uh, the Bucks injuries along the offensive line proved to be the difference with Von Miller and Aaron Donald shredding the Buccaneers' O-line. Von Miller recorded an absurd pressure rate of 27% while taking on backup offensive tackle Josh Wells. Um, the help that Wells needed on the outside opened up things for defensive tackle Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, with uh, Donald winning 14% of his pass rushes and Floyd winning 17% of his pass rush attempts. 
the Rams were able to pressure Tom Brady 17 times in this game, which is, which was the most Brady faced in a game all season long. And uh, because of this, Brady, Brady averaged just 2.26 seconds to pass and had an adjusted completion percentage of just 67.3%. He still mounted an unreal comeback, only to see the defense give it away in the dying seconds. Um, but yeah, and what would actually be the end for Tom Brady? This was the final game we're going to see, knock on wood, um, Tom Brady play as uh, an NFL quarterback. He announced on Tuesday, it was initially reported a couple days ago, uh, you know, over the weekend, I think, that uh, he was going to retire, and then Tom Brady was like, hey, I'm still thinking about it. And now, as of Tuesday, he, Tom Brady, officially announced that he will be retiring seven Super Bowls for that man. He is undisputed, the greatest of all time at the game of football. Um, maybe one of three I can think of off the top of my head. Undisputed, undeniable, greatest of all time players in their sport. The other two being Wayne Gretzky, I would say, and then uh, Michael Phelps when it comes to Olympic swimming. Um, but yeah, it, the the longevity that he was able to do it with I, people. Some people don't understand this. I'm I'm 24 years old. I was born in 1997. He was drafted in the draft of 1999. His first playing years was 2000. I don't have a conscious memory of the NFL of football without Tom Brady in it. I don't. It, it's going to be the first time I can remember the NFL period without Tom Brady playing football in it. So. The longevity that he had to play as long as he did and at the success he did. The guy is 44 years old, going on 45, I believe. And he just had a borderline MVP season. It's him, Aaron Rodgers. Those are your two MVP frontrunners right now, um, which is unbelievable. At the age that he was able to do it for as long as he had, there's no, I mean, you're not going to, nobody should argue otherwise that he is the greatest football player in the history of the game, in the history of that league, period. Nobody should argue otherwise. So hats off to Tom Brady, a career well done, an unbelievable career with two different franchises. You know, I wish he would have gone out a winner, but you know, all's well that ends well. You can't do much more winning uh, than he did. So congrats to Tom Brady on his retirement. Finally, the divisional round weekend was capped off with the best football game I have seen in recent memory. Uh, when the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Buffalo Bills 42-36 to in overtime. It was like watching a back-and-forth boxing match between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes with both both of them playing nearly perfect games. But in the end, Mahomes threw the knockout punch, commanding a downfield charge in the waning seconds of regulation that helped send the game into overtime. And then he led the Chiefs to a touchdown in overtime uh, to come out on top, sending the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game. First off, Josh Allen. Played as good as game as you could have you could have asked. Going 27 for 37 for 329 yards and four touchdowns were rushing for 68 yards on 11 carries. He put together, in the two games that he was there, he put together arguably the greatest two-game stretch in postseason history in the NFL, finishing with a 77% completion percentage, 638 yards through the air, nine passing touchdowns and zero interceptions while rushing for 134 yards in just two games. Those were his numbers. Two games. Um, there was nothing more Allen could have done to try and will the Bills to a victory and to the AFC title game. But in the end, it didn't work out. Allen's favorite target of the night was Gabriel Davis, who torched the Chiefs for eight catches, 201 yards and four touchdowns. And what will go down quietly as one of the greatest playoff performances in history as well, especially from a wide receiver. Uh, but none of it was enough with the Bills answering on every single go-ahead touchdown by the Bills. Uh, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes 
had ice water coursing through his veins towards the end of the game with his, with his masterpiece coming with 13 seconds left in the game down 36 to 33 with 13 seconds left in the game and the ball on their own 25 Mahomes drove the Chiefs 44 yards in just two plays to set up the game tying field goal that sent the game into overtime. Uh, then Mahomes led the Chiefs into the victory in overtime, getting the ball first and driving it 75 yards in nine plays with the game winner coming on an eight yard pass to Travis Kelsey, giving the Chiefs the walk off victory and sending them to the AFC title game. This game was a masterpiece. It was football at its absolute best. And the last two minutes of regulation were some of the best football I've ever watched, period. It consisted of three lead changes and one tie, 25 points scored, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes combined for three passing touchdowns and 221 pass yards in just the last two minutes of regulation. Those were their numbers. 221 pass yards and three touchdowns. The only thing that felt wrong was that there had to be a loser in this game. But don't fret, Bills fans. As long as Josh Allen stays in Buffalo, you will have a good shot every single year at that evasive first championship. So, that sets up our conference championship weekend this past weekend. The first game was the AFC championship between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Remarkably, this game felt and played out almost exactly the same as it did in their previous matchup back in Week 17. Uh, the Chiefs came out and looked like they were going to blow out the Bengals, leading 21-3 to at halftime, and it arguably should have been 28-3 to at halftime if the Chiefs were able to convert on a... Uh, on a last-second touchdown opportunity before halftime, but they didn't, and it would become, and that would be a big part, a big moment in this game later down the line. Um, but the Bengals clawed their way back after halftime, tying the game up before going into the fourth quarter and took the lead halfway through the final frame. Kansas City got their only points of the second half uh, with a field goal as time expired to send the game into overtime. Um, in overtime, the Chiefs got the ball first again. However, this time Mahomes was picked off thanks to an amazing play by Jesse Bates that knocked the ball straight into Von Bell's hands. And uh, it set up great field position for the Bengals. And since he drove down to the KC 13 and Money McPherson, Evan Money McPherson kicked the walk-off game-winning field goal to stun the Chiefs and foresee and the four-seeded Bengals uh, sent the four-seeded Bengals to their first big game in franchise history with a 27 to 24 victory big game. You know what I'm referring to? I can't say it because of legal reasons. It's the dumbest thing in the world. You know what I'm talking about? The big game happens on February 13th, Sunday, February 13th. All the cool commercials happen. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm going to refer to it as because of legal issues. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it cannot be stated in this game how huge the Bengals' second half turnaround on defense was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes could not be stopped in the first half. He had an adjusting completion percentage of 100% in the first half and averaged 10.5 yards per attempt downfield and a passer rating of 149.9, a perfect passer rating. Uh, but then can, things completely stalled in the second half for the Chiefs. Mahomes finished the first, the second half in overtime with an adjusted completion percentage of 52.9% on 3.1 yards per attempt and a passer rating of 12.3. The Bengals were able to finally get pressure on Mahomes in the second half and it threw the entire Chiefs offense off kilter. The biggest play from their defense came as the game was winding down with one minute and 30 seconds left in the game. The Bengals were up by three and the Chiefs had the ball on the Cincy five-yard line it looked like the Chiefs were going to walk into the end zone to take the lead with, uh, lead with less than uh, one minute and 30 seconds to go, but the Bengals forced back-to-back sacks that sent Casey all the way back to the Cincy 26 and forced the Chiefs to kick a field goal that sent it into overtime. Going from on, uh, going from on their heels at their own goal line to uh, to forcing a field goal against the uh, against the Chiefs' offense was a huge momentum shift heading into uh, heading into overtime. 
Um, after halftime, the Bengal defense forced four punts, recorded two interceptions, and allowed just the three points. And specifically, the Bengal defense did a sh- very strong job covering Tyree Kill in the second half. Hill caught seven of his eight targets for 78 yards and a touchdown in the first half and was held without a catch for the remainder of the game. Not to mention Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, Joey Franchise, Joe Cole, uh, Joe Cool, uh, Joey Ice, Joe Burrow was uh, fantastic under pressure. He had two clutch third down scrambles on the field goal drive that put Cincy up 24 to 21 and it kept their chances of pulling off the upset very much alive. Overall, what a turnaround for the Bengals. They're going to the Big game. I want to say it every time. They're going to the big game. Um, The comeback in the second half for the Bengals kind of felt like a a perfect synopsis of the last few years for them. There is no better example of the advantages of tanking um, than this team. The Bengals were 2-14 just two years ago. Back in 2019, they were 2-14. They suffered that season to go and get a franchise quarterback, a generational talent in Joe Burrow, and now he has led them to their first big game berth and franchise history in just a year and a half, with just a year and a half um, under Joe Burrow's belt. They basically fixed their team in two drafts, two drafts, and in the first year of what looks like an upward upward trend, uh, they will be playing for a championship. A remarkable job by the Bengals. um, Truly, truly insane. And um, I'm I'm rooting for them to lift that Lombardi trophy. Um, As for the Chiefs, I mean... What can you say? There really isn't a team in a better position the next few years than this team with Mahomes. Um, you could put you know, some high schoolers around there, and Mahomes will probably make it a close game. They had one of the better drafts last season as one of the lower teams in the draft order. Their offensive line is only going to get better. Their defense is still going to be an issue, I think. They will need to sign a couple of key guys like Tyron Matthew and Melvin Ingram back if they really want to get back there. But as long as they have Mahomes, I'd argue that there isn't a team to really feel more comfortable about going forward. The second conference championship game came Sunday night. Uh, the NFC championship um, when the San Francisco 49ers took on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams had lost six straight games to the Niners entering the NFC championship game. But this game played out differently than those previous matchups. Uh, these were the types of games that the Rams had in mind when they traded for Matthew Stafford. And it was clear the Rams had the advantage at the most important position. That position being quarterback. Jimmy G went one for six for minus three yards and an interception on the game uh, on the in the game's uh, final two drives, and the Niners' season ended with a whimper. Um, another week, another big stat line for Cooper Cup on offense, who finished the game with eleven receptions for one hundred and forty-two yards and two touchdowns. Also, the difference in this game was uh, the Rams' defense. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator for the Rams, put together a fantastic game plan. They didn't get after the quarterback like they did the week prior against Tom Brady and the Bucks, but they turned up the pressure late when it mattered most. And the Rams, for the most part, also took away the Niners' best uh, weapons on offense, limiting George Kittle's effectiveness and Kyle Shanahan's signature outside zone run schemes uh, weren't nearly as effective as it had been the weeks prior. Uh, Debo Samuel still had a great game, but it felt like after a while, the Rams were forcing Jimmy G to kind of play on an island, limiting the players around him and making him make the big plays downfield, which obviously did not work out in the end. This game had most aspects of the complete Jimmy G experience. His final stat line doesn't look too bad at all on the surface, completing a little over 50% of his passes for 232, two touchdowns, and one interception. But 61% of his yards uh, came after the catch, and he had a few questionable decisions that didn't result in turnovers, but should have. And uh, he ultimately folded late when the Niners needed him to step up and threw a god awful pick to seal the game for the Rams. For Jimmy G, you're kind of 
guaranteed one of those bad interceptions a game, it feels like. And um, unfortunately for the Niners, this one came at the worst possible time. Uh, the Niner defense, I would say, played pretty well overall um, for the most part, especially up front where Nick Bosa had one and a half sacks on the night. But uh, the problem for the Niners all season long has been the back half of their defense, their secondary, and it reared its ugly head once again in this game with all three starting cornerbacks for the Niners giving up at least five receptions and 60 passing yards in the game. Um, the turning point in this game wasn't necessarily a specific play, but more a uh, a poor move from Kyle Shanahan during this chess match, the chess match between uh, head coaches with 1042 left in the fourth quarter. The Niners led 17 to 14 Rams head coach. Sean McVay had just wasted his third and final time out of the game on a bad challenge regarding a potential minor fumble on third and short. So now the Niners have the ball on the Ram 45 and a fourth and two. The Rams have zero timeouts. And uh, instead of going for the kill shot right then and there and uh, basically controlling the rest of how the game would end, he elected to punt the ball. Our trusty fourth down decision bot over on Twitter gave the Niners a very strong go for it recommendation. A punt gave their win probability a 67% chance to win while going for it added an extra 5.4 percentage points to the win probability up to 73%. And that's before they even ran the play. They had gone for it and succeeded. It jumped their win probability up to 82%. Um, if Shanahan goes for it there and converts, uh, the Niners get a new set of downs. They can burn the clock while controlling the close, the ending of that game. And uh, that's basically their strong suit of a team. They control the clock, but instead they punt it, and then they're playing on their heels because their defense couldn't make the stop when they needed to. And um, when they're playing on their heels, that's not where you want to put Jimmy G and not where you want to put this Rams team. Uh, the Rams wouldn't have been able to stop the clock either from rolling because they're out of timeouts. So they should have gone for it there. They didn't go for it. I don't think it cost them the game, but it put them more on their back foot than uh, than they probably wanted. Uh, the Niners gave up the Rams another opportunity to come back in that punt, and they did with Stafford hit with Stafford hitting Odell on a perfect sideline shot after Jaquiski J- J- Tart, excuse me, dropped an easy deep ball interception and a helmet to helmet shot from Jimmy Ward moved the Rams up even further. And L.A. tied the game up with 6.49 left with a 40-yard field goal from Matt Gay. And after that, the Rams forced another punt on the ensuing drive. And Gay hit a 30-yard field goal that would ultimately give the uh, give the game the final score that it had of 20-17. to That would send the Rams to the big game. The Rams went all in for this season. Going and getting Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. And now they get the chance to make it all worth it when they take on the Cincinnati Bengals on February 14th for the NFL Championship. It's cost them a pretty penny, though. Uh, they only have three draft picks in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft with two coming in the seventh round and one coming in the fifth round. That's probably as bad as draft capital as I've ever seen from a NFL franchise. I don't think I've ever seen anybody with less picks than that on an upcoming draft. Um, but they did it exactly for this moment. And if they come out on top as champions, then none of it will matter. But if they lose, they might be in some trouble come this offseason with players leaving free agency and not a lot of options bring all of them um, bring back all of them so hopefully they win if they don't they could be in some cap trouble for the Niners uh, this game will likely be the end of the Jimmy G era in San Francisco and uh, most would probably argue that's a good thing they're uh, they're going to have a decent amount of cap space to work with and a a lot of weapons they had this season returning uh, will be returning to the team plus they should be able to lure any player they want over to San Francisco to try and make a run at a championship um, with the scheme that coaching and the players that they have around the team. There's not a single quarterback in the league other than maybe Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and 
you know, Matt Stafford um, that wouldn't want to play for that team right now. Um, paging, hello, paging Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. So we'll see what happens. I don't see Aaron Rodgers doing it because he kind of feels betrayed by them. I don't see him doing that move also because I don't think he'd be the guy to kind of join the team that's kind of caused as much chaos as the the, the Niners have to that Packer organization. But Russell Wilson, I don't know if the Seahawks would be willing to uh, deal him to somebody in division, but, I mean, that would be a great fit for that team. Are you kidding me? Ugh. But they still have Trey Lance on the bench, too. The Niners do. So, who knows anymore? I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, we We shall see. But our big game is set. Sunday. February 13th. I said 14th earlier. It's Sunday, Sunday, February 13th um, between the 10 and 7 Cincinnati Bengals and the 12 and 5 Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles where the Rams play so they get home field advantage pretty much. Um, I will preview that game for you all next Tuesday the 8th and then have a post-game episode for you the Tuesday after the game which will be the 15th. But for now, get all your props in for commercials, coin tosses, national anthems, get all that stuff in. And uh, we will get another 11 days to overthink every aspect of this game, uh, the, uh, every aspect of the game uh, that we look forward to every single year. That's going to wrap things up for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for tuning in. I have been your host, James Timberlake, and you have been listening to the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast.